0: Wall Street's kind of a little crazy right now, got to say. The Dow jumps 800 points based off economic data that had happened. One of them being is that inflation increased by 0.4% in September, more than expected despite rate hikes. And that made Wall Street be like, oh, that's good to know. Like, And of course, now the Dow's up by 800 points, at least at the time of recording this podcast. Wall Street doesn't seem to know what they're doing right now. It's kind of a little worrisome that inflation did go up, even though it's only 0.4%. That means prices might go up by 0.4%. It might not be as noticeable when you do your shopping or when you buy things, but if inflation's still going up, it kind of gives you an idea of where things are heading. I've been told that as inflation goes up, that stock prices go up too, hence why maybe Wall Street's going a little crazy because they're like, oh, prices need to go up for stocks. There's a, there's a thing I read a few years back, and I have to look more into it. but it said that as inflation goes up that stock prices tend to go up because housing values go up with inflation as well. But housing is a little different than the stock market at times, so I don't know. Wall Street's a little crazy right now. We do have some a lot of news to cover. We've got some news to talk about from Albertsons. Albertsons and Kroger could be merging together soon. We have some news from Bitcoin and how that's tied tied into Coinbase currently right now. We have some major major news from Netflix in the making. And we'll end today talking about how Joe Biden actually had asked Saudi Arabia to postpone its OPEC decision by a month. We'll cover that article to end today to be able to discuss more about the oil potential crisis in the making that we could be facing here in the United States. But that being said, I have to remind you all that I'm not a professional advisor in any way, shape or form. Everything I talk about this podcast is for information purposes only. You need to do your own research before investing in any company as you're not guaranteed to make money in the stock market. Please talk to your professional advisor too, as they understand your situation a lot better than I would. I cannot legally give you financial advice. This whole podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only. If you like this video, please like and subscribe. Share with friends or family as it will help grow this channel as quickly as possible so we can be able to keep talking about news events that Wall Street isn't always willing to talk about. And with that, let's begin today's podcast. Albertson's merge with Kroger could be announced this week. Kroger could announce a deal to buy the rival grocery company Albertsons this week, sources told CNBC David Faber. Shares of Albertsons jumped and were briefly halted on Thursday morning after news that the two companies are deep in talks. The all-cash acquisition may be announced as soon as Friday morning, sources told Faber. Kroger is the largest supermarket operator in the country, with about two dozen banners, including Fred Meyer, Ralph's, King's Supers. Harris tweet, uh, Teeter and its namesake brand. It has nearly 2,800 stores in 35 states and about 420,000 employees. The company trails behind Walmart, which is the top grocer in the U.S. by revenue. Albertson is made up of 20 banners, including Safeway, Acme, and Tom Thumb. It has more than 2,200 supermarkets in 34 states in Washington, D.C. Albertson's has 290,000 employees, according to its websites. Kroger, is the large larger of the two companies with a market cap of 32 billion? Alberts' market cap is at 15 billion. The two, the two companies could be immediately reached by CNBC for comment. Bloomberg first reported the news for, of the deal talks earlier Thursday. The talks comes as competition in the grocery industry has intensified. About five years ago, Amazon spooked the legacy grocers by acquiring Whole Foods. Whole Foods, its stores, which now include Amazon Fresh, still command a small percentage of the overall U.S. grocery market, but sparked a wave of investment. Groger, for example, struck a deal with British online grocer Okado to build a huge robot-powered fulfillment center to pick and pack online grocery orders. It has used the new business model to break into new markets, including Florida. It also plans to expand, expand into the Northeast. The pandemic also pushed the industry to better cater to customer preferences with services such as curbside pickup and home delivery. Yet those investments have also personal personal grocery profits. Already the grocery business is known for its thin margins and inflation has driven up the cost of food. It's going to be interesting with Kroger if this does go through. Because right now, if you've ever studied Walmart's like how Walmart makes money. Walmart's about 50% of its products and services, at least back in 2017, I think when I was doing investment research on it, small disclosure, I do have a very, very small position and long-term position in Walmart. When when you look at their, how they make money at Walmart, it's they 50% or more, I believe comes from groceries. That was at least back in 2000, before 2020. I remember when I was doing research on the company to figure out if it was worth investing into Walmart at the time when Amazon was starting to grow. Obviously, I made the mistake of not choosing Amazon, but live and learn. But with Kroger now entering this frame, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see how Kroger, with the merger of Albertsons, how it's able to increase its footprint across the grocery industry. Does that mean more share gets taken away from Walmart? It's hard to tell. What I'm also curious to know is if this merger does happen, is the U.S. government going to have to get involved because it's expanding Kroger's footprint and it's going to take away more market share. And it makes me wonder if they're going to have to say like, hey, if you buy Albertsons, that's fine, but maybe you need to sell like part of your business. Maybe you have to sell some Ralphs or King Supers, or maybe they're going to tell Albertsons like, hey, you need to sell some of your Safeway or whatever Businesses you own. I mean, it does happen sometimes in the in the re, not retail sector, but in the the CVS had to do that a lot recently, if I'm not mistaken. Same with Walgreens when they bought some of Rite Aid's businesses. So I'm gonna be curious to know if the U.S. government's gonna get involved. There's no report of it currently right now, but it is a thought that I currently am having is are they gonna have to sell some of their assets currently? Who knows? Keep an eye out. But the grocery industry. It's going to get a little bit more competitive. On to the crypto markets now. Bitcoin recovers um, $19,000 after finding a new low for the month. Cryptocurrency prices rebounded Thursday after sliding a new October lows following the release of a key U.S. inflation reading that came in hotter than expected. The price of Bitcoin was last 0.3% higher at $19,212.64, and Ether lost 1.5% at $1,279.83, according to CoinMetrics. Earlier in the day, they fell as low as $18,492.33 and $1,220.80, respectively. Bitcoin dropped below $19,000 earlier on Thursday as investors anxiously awaited the latest read on the Consumer Price Index. It fell sharply after the report came in, showing a slightly larger-than-expected increase in inflation, despite the aggressive rate hikes the Federal Reserve has brought into play to combat rising costs. Cryptocurrencies have been trading mostly sideways, since the end of August, with Bitcoin hovering within 19,000, that's been a key level to watch for analysis. Who say a break below it could lead to new lows below just hit in June when Bitcoin fell below 17,800 and Ether fell under 900? Crypto markets are still overwhelmingly driven by macro. Bitcoin continues to trade within a tight range since June, since Michael Rinko Venture Associated and Ascended EX. However, today's CPI print may threaten to break this range to the downside. By noon, crypto recovered. By uh, crypto recovered with the stock market. Since Steve McClurg, chief investment officer of Valkyrie Investments, said the market initial reaction has been expected with high inflation suggestion to investors, and that the Fed will continue with its plan rate hikes. "Quote, given what we know about Powell's stated goal right now, and the give and the fact that we are in a, what appears to be a deep recession, it makes sense that we we'd be down today," he said. We firmly believe that the market still has not reached a bottom and that there's still likely another 10 to 50% leg down for digital assets and even more for equities, he added. I don't understand Bitcoin 100%. I do know that Bitcoin, that's not true. I understand Bitcoin enough to understand to invest into it, digital assets, okay? Because that's where a lot of stuff seems to be going. I still don't get how when inflation is rising, how Bitcoin isn't just skyrocketing. In all honesty, I don't get how that's not uh, infecting Bitcoin currently right now. Because think about it this way, okay? U.S. government can constantly be printing money. The value of your dollar gets worse and worse after every printing, okay? I mean, they printed so much money between 2020 when the COVID pandemic happened that inflation is just rising like crazy. I mean, Turkey's at 90%. The U.K., I believe, was at 12% the other day we just read. And who knows what other countries are going through, but I'm sure their inflation rates are just as high. But I just don't get how cryptocurrency is just not exploding right now in a time with inflation that's through the roof right now, at least across some parts of the world. But what's also interesting, too, is with the news on Bitcoin, Coinbase shares slide 5%, a hot inflation report as well. The so shares of the cryptocurrency exchange Coinbase fell 5% on Thursday after the consumer price index showed inflation continued to increase. In September, beyond Wall Street's expectations, the stock had fallen as much as 12.7% earlier in the day. Bitcoin and other stocks tied to the success of crypto felt the pain too. Riot Blockchain, Marathon Digital, MicroStrategy, and Block, or it's formerly known as Square. All few shares dropped Thursday morning, though they rebounded later with all but Block turning positive. The broader markets also trending lower on the fresh inflation read that the Bureau of Labor Statistics, but crypto stocks saw steeper falls than major in indices like the Nasdaq Composite and the S&P 500, which also fell on the inflation data but turned positive later in the day. In recent months, an increase in inflation has been followed by volatility on Wall Street. That's because more disappointing news on inflation means the Federal Reserve may implement larger interest rate hikes, further slowing economic growth. Thursday CPI data, likely cements conservative 0.75 percentage points rate hikes in November and December that diminishes investors' appetites for riskier assets like cryptocurrency and crypto-related equities. Once again, I I don't see how cryptocurrencies are just not skyrocketing. Like I I can understand like if it was what cryptocurrency was it? I can't remember. There's like one cryptocurrency that's Tied to the US government, I believe it was right now. Stellar. I think it's stellar. Stellar, I can see because you can keep printing stellar. But Bitcoin, there's only so many Bitcoins that can be mined. And same with Litecoin. And I think Ethereum's the same way too, depending on which Ethereum one it is. It's been a while since I looked into a lot of these cryptocurrencies. Cryptocurrencies I dabble in once in a while. But I mean, the, we'll talk about cryptos as much as we can on this podcast, but it just seems we're mostly talking about stocks and how they're they're connected at times or at least what the news is reporting. But I just don't see currently why and I keep beating this this statement over and over. I don't see why cryptocurrencies aren't exploding right now in this environment. I just don't get it. Maybe in time we will, but it just doesn't seem like it's getting enough attention. Now for some interesting news from Netflix. Netflix will charge $6.99 a month for new ad-supported tier starting November 3rd in the U.S. The streaming wars are about ready to get extremely interesting. I will say that. Uh, recently, we had read about Disney, how they were planning to do their streaming ad services. I believe it was next April. So the fact that Netflix is jumping a lot sooner says a lot currently. From CNBC News, Netflix will charge $6.99 per month from its new advertising support tier which the company will roll out in the U.S. on November 3rd. Netflix-based with ads tier will include an average of four to five-minute commercials each hour and won't give users the ability to download movies and TV series. A limited number of TV series and movies will initially be unavailable due to the licensing restrictions. Commercials will be 15 or 30 seconds in length and will play before, the, before and during Netflix content. Brands will also have the ability to prevent ads from appearing on content they deem unsavory or ill-fitting. To help advertisers understand reach rating companies, Nielsen will use its standard digital audience measurement digital ad ratings in the U.S. beginning in 2023. Netflix is launching a a less expensive service with commercials for the first time after years of rejecting the concept. The move comes as subscriber growth has plateaued in recent quarters. Netflix lost subscribers in the first two quarters this year and expects to add just 1 million customers in the third quarter. The company has about 221 million subscribers globally, making it the largest worldwide streaming service. Netflix will announce its third quarter earnings after the market closes Tuesday and plans to unveil subscriber forecasts for the advertising services, according to Chief Operating Officer Greg Peters. Netflix is partnering up with Microsoft for its advertising support services. The streaming company will have hundreds of advertisers at launch and has nearly sold out of inventory, the company said the media conference call. And this is pricing below Disney. Netflix $6.99 per month pricing is less expensive than the ad-supported Disney Plus and Hulu, which will both be $7.99 per month. And Disney Plus ads tier launched in December. So it's December when they're launching it. HBO Max with ads is $9.99 a month. Netflix priced the service so that the customers who switched uh, to the ad-supported service from the ad-free basic plan will have a neutral to positive effect on the company's revenue according to Peter's. That suggests... Netflix will get at least $3 per user in advertising revenue. Quote, we want to offer customers choices and figure out what the best offering is for them, Peter said during the conference call. Video resolution for Netflix advertising tier will be 720p rather than 1080p. p quality of Netflix standard plan that costs $15.49 per month. The company's basic plan without advertising is $9.99 per month and has also... As a 720p resolution the advertising tier will be initially be available in canada and mexico on november 1st followed by australia brazil canada france germany italy japan korea mexico the uk and the united states on november 3rd spain will be launched on november 10th this could potentially be the death of netflix the fact that they're having to have this advertising people don't want to watch advertisements when they're streaming okay Maybe Or maybe I'm wrong and people are totally fine now with watching advertisements. You know, the other day, <laughs> there's a meme going around and that says like, when I was a kid, and, and I remember this being a kid, when I was a kid, we used to have to to watch our TV shows. We'd have to like, as soon as commercial break would come on, we'd run to the bathroom, go to the bathroom as quickly as we can and run back and hopefully make sure we didn't miss a second because there would be some advertisements within a TV show when we watch now netflix is becoming that company now granted they're not going to be putting their ads it's going to be like kind of like how podcasts or i guess some youtube channels like youtube for instance some some people on their youtube channels will put ads in between segments which is fine that's their choice but it's kind of like podcasts like podcasts for instance they want you to put your ads at the beginning of podcasts it seems like i mean that's how a lot of these podcasters get their, in their, I guess, their monthly revenue a lot. So Netflix is making it so that it's like, oh, you can, you have an ad at the beginning and you have an ad at the end. What I'm curious about is, are they going to make it so that you have to watch the ad at the end? Because that's one reason why a lot of, a lot of companies don't put ads at the end of videos is because once you're done watching it, you want to watch another video. And so you just quickly change the channel. Makes me wonder if that's going to start happening with, Netflix is they're going to try to make it so if you're watching a video, you have to watch it all the way till the end. Or maybe they'll just save the ad so that when you go back to watch it, they'll force you to watch two ads in a row. Be interesting to see. But this could potentially be the death of the streaming wars because I don't think people want to watch any ads when they watch their streaming services. Or maybe people don't care anymore. Maybe times have changed. It's hard to tell. But we'll keep an eye out more. I mean, I don't watch a whole lot of Netflix or streaming in general. I mean, I try to listen more to podcasts these days. Try to figure out how to personally make my own podcast better every day. Or I try to listen to YouTube videos about how to expand my brand and marketing in general. But I mean, someone watches Netflix. So if you guys do, maybe you let us know eventually how the ad tiers is working for you personally. Final thing we'll talk about today. It's on the politics side. Biden administration asked Saudi Arabia to postpone its OPEC decision by a month. The Saudis say from Dubai, United Arab Emirates, the Biden administration had Saudi Arabia, the de facto leader of oil producer group OPEC to delay its decision on oil output by a month. The kingdom said in a statement. The Saudis declined in an early October OPEC+, plus, which includes non-OPEC oil exports like Russia, announced its largest supply cut since 2020, to the tune of 2 million barrels start a day starting from November. That means tighter supplies and higher prices at the time of already high inflation and worries of global recession, which angered U.S. lawmakers who are now calling for a re-evaluation in its relations with the Saudi kingdom. Notably, Biden requests would have delayed the decision until after the U.S. midterm elections. So, of course, Joe Biden would have reached out for this because he's trying to win a midterm election. And the Saudis did not listen. That is funny. In a statement dated Wednesday, the Saudi government defended its move and said that all OPEC's decisions are based on economic forecast and needs. Quote, the government of the kingdom clarified through its continuous consolidation with the U.S. administration that all economic analysis indicate that postponing the OPEC plus decision for a month, according to what has been suggested, would have been... It would have had negative economic consequences, the statement read. Responding to Saudi claims, Pentagon spokesperson John Kirby reafframed the exchange and accused the kingdom of aiding Russia revenues and hampering the impact of Western sanctions on Moscow for its war in Ukraine. Quote, in recent weeks, the Saudis conveyed to us privately and publicity their intention to reduce oil production, which they knew would increase Russian revenues and blunt the effectiveness of sanctions. That is the wrong direction, Kirby said. We presented Saudi Arabia with analysis to show that there was no market basis to cut production targets and that they could really easily wait for the next OPEC meeting to see how things developed. Kirby claimed without giving examples that other OPEC members opposed Saudi Arabia's move. Oh, (laughs) Kirby, you're probably lying to the market and that is the disgusting part. Oh, why do we keep letting these people into government is beyond me at this point. Let's continue that other OPEC members opposed Saudi Arabia's move and re- reiterated that Biden administration vowed to re-examine its relationship. The other OPEC nations communicated to its pre- to, uh, privately that they also disagreed with Saudi's decision, but felt a uh, uh, cor- course to support Saudi's direction, he said. And continuing on the quote, as the president has said, we have been re our relationship with Saudi Arabia in light of these actions and will continue to look for signs about where they stand in the combating Russian aggression. On Tuesday, President Joe Biden said that there would be consequences for Saudi Arabia's oil production cut, which the kingdom is carrying out in coordination with other OPEC members and non-OPEC allies like Russia. Many in Washington uh, saw this as a snub and a blatant display of siding with Moscow. U.S. lawmakers have urged the cutting of military sales to Saudi Arabia. Americans' top weapon buyers are encouraging the passing of antitrust legislation that would go after OPEC. Okay, I, I'm I'm I think I get the point here. Joe Biden was hoping for a political victory and he got screwed. He absolutely got screwed. Now, if this doesn't change voting situation in the U.S. in the making, I don't know what will. But the markets, though, in particular, oh, man, I can't believe they're lying, saying like, oh, yeah, there was other countries in OPEC plus that are that are not agreeing with Saudi Arabia. I don't believe that one bit. I think the OPEC members realize they're like, the US isn't drilling as much oil, they're not going to be exporting as much, and we want to be controlling the oil markets. I think OPEC did this to the United States in the 70s or 80s, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, I'm too young to remember. Well, not that young, but for those of my fellow podcast listeners who are a little bit older in my demographics... I'm pretty sure you wouldn't remember that pretty much OPEC kind of screwed over the United States during that time frame too, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, my parents always tell me that there was one point where they had to, like with license plate numbers, it's like, if you were even, you could buy gas on this day. And if you're odd, you can buy gas on this day. I I hope not to be saying this, but I'm going to. Maybe that day's coming back again, where they're going to be like, if you're an even number, you can buy gas on this day. If you're an odd number, you can be buying gas on this day. There's going to be a huge oil issue in the making. And I keep saying this over and over again. And it just seems like the word is just not getting out. Or maybe people just don't understand. A lot of the oil is being shipped out to China. At least that like we read yesterday from Joe Biden when he said there will be consequences for for cutting oil production Saudi Arabia. and. I'm afraid to know what those consequences will be. It's 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 quite frightening to think about. I mean, they're they're saying there's not much you can do, but you never know what a politician's gonna be thinking behind the scenes. It's gonna affect the market in any way, shape, or form. Maybe the one thing Joe Biden needs to consider doing, and I'll keep saying this over and over again. You wanna end the oil cartel of its chokehold on us with high gas prices. We gotta start drilling. In our own nation, we got to drill so much oil and just flood the market with so much oil that OPEC doesn't make a dime. Well, they're going to make money, but you get them less money, okay? Because remember too, a lot of the oil and gas from Russia, even though we put these sanctions on them, they're going to India, they're going to China. China then is ironically exporting that same oil and Russian gas back to Europe. So Europe is technically still getting Russian oil just a longer route and it's more expensive that way. I swear, people need to wake up. They do. We we need to, as a society, really reflect on what's more important right now, okay? And honestly, I have my ideas. Obviously, a lot of you might not agree with me 100%, but I also still firmly believe that oil and gas is just going to be a major issue, not only for this upcoming midterm elections, it's going to come up in the next presidential debate If oil prices stay the way that they are, if there's a cut in oil production, it could be brought up again. And that's going to get really interesting. What I'm most curious about, especially like for a presidential election that's supposed to be coming up in two years, if President Trump does run again, I have a feeling he's going to mention, and he's probably going to prove it too, that while while he was in office, that we were a nation that was oil independent. He's probably going to bring that up. And when he does, there's obviously going to be a lot of news networks that are are going to say like, oh, that wasn't true. I've read a lot of conflicting articles that say that when President Trump was in office, we were oil independent. And I've read a lot of articles that says that we are still the number one exporter right now, which I have a hard time believing since gas prices are so high right now. And the fact that Joe Biden has been begging for more oil and gas from OPEC, from Saudi Arabia it's disgusting. truly it really is. People need to wake up. Markets need to wake up. People need to realize and people need to start saying it as it is. So I'll leave it there. with that being said, fellow podcast listeners, I hope you've enjoyed this podcast today. Like I've said earlier, if you had, please like and subscribe to this podcast. Every, every like and subscription helps grow this channel and we'll be able to keep talking about news and events that are happening on Wall Street. With that being said, thank you for listening to today's podcast today. Thank you and goodbye.